to Tuesday Night Bible Study. My name is Jordan Ellerby. Uh, I have been blessed to lead the uh, college and graduate uh, ministry here at Calvary Chapel alongside Emily Cole and my beautiful bride, Danielle, who just led us in worship. Uh, Pastor Steve has taken the week off to spend some time with his family. He will be back to teach behind the pulpit this Sunday, which I know I'm excited for. Uh, he asked me to step in and teach this evening. It is a, a blessing to do so. I absolutely love studying God's Word uh, in a teaching space. I'm really excited to, to share what I believe the Lord put on my heart to share with you all this evening. Uh, and it's a blessing to be here virtually. I'm glad we have this technology uh, to do this, to meet as a body together and dive in His Word together. I'm excited to see what the Holy Spirit has for us this evening. I'm excited to hear what, he's, uh, what He has to say to you all and to me. Um, so if you don't mind, let's just take a second and ask Him to move this evening. Oh, Father, I do. Lord, I thank You so much for uh, Your Word, God. I thank You for this evening. I thank You for worship and um, being able to give back, Lord, the life you've given us, Lord. God, I do uh, just want to lift up this evening to you, God. I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would move, Lord. I pray that my words would be your words, God. Um, I pray that you would speak. I pray that we would have hearts to receive your word, God. I'm so grateful for the technology to, to connect, Lord. Father, would you just do a miracle this evening? Lord, I pray that you would just use this teaching, Lord. That you would use it, God. Father, we love you, Lord. We need you, Jesus. I pray that you would be glorified this evening, Lord. Thank you for what you have done for us, God. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So I must confess, I spend a lot of time on video meetings. Uh, but there's always another person on the other side. This is a little bit uh, different for me, so please uh, show grace in that area. Um, but we will be in a few different passages this evening. If you don't mind opening God's Word, we're going to be in Galatians 2.20 to start. And if you don't mind bookmarking um, John 14, or John 15, actually, John 15. All right, well, we're praying, uh, when praying about uh, what to teach this evening when Pastor Steve asked if I would teach, I brought it to the Lord, and um, I really just kept getting the word identity. And uh, that word is uh, such, a, such a powerful word. Uh, when thinking about that word, when praying through that word, um, I ultimately was left with a place of gratitude for God. Um, I'm very grateful for the identity that He has given me in Christ but I would be a, a liar if I said I was always excited about that word um, and, uh, or that I've always thanked the creator of the universe for, for my identity. I was, uh, before Christ, I was, a very, I was very angry. Uh, I was very confused, uh, often questioning um, why I was placed in this life, in this situation, or in the situations that I were, was in. Um, now that I think about it, I would say my life prior to Christ, before Christ, uh, I actually didn't have an identity. I would go as far as saying that 
Uh, now, just to give you a little background about myself, uh, many of you do know me. Uh, for those who do not, or maybe listening for the first time, um, I uh, gave my, I was raised in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, I gave my life to the Lord at the age of 21. Uh, I spent the ages 9 through 21 in Las Vegas. And uh, during that time, I would say that if I had this, this I was speaking with this, this theme of identity, if I were to say I had an identity, um, well, I, I don't think I could actually say I had an identity. Um, I had a pretty tough childhood. I went through a lot. I witnessed a lot of abuse, uh, which turned me into a pretty hard person at a young age. Throughout my adolescent years, I began to uh, find my identity uh, through different uh, outlets. I think of sports in high school. I uh, played football and basketball up until my sophomore year in high school. And uh, uh, my sophomore year, rather my junior year, I uh, began to have behavioral problems in school and was uh, asked nicely to leave and go to a behavior school uh, by my school for uh, the period, the rest of my junior year, my senior year, returning to another public school. And um, three days into that public school, I was asked to leave the school district uh, for behavioral problems. And uh, by God's grace, I landed at a small Christian school. It was the only school that would accept me there in Las Vegas. It was a small Christian school um, where I saw a few people who really loved Jesus. And it was just pure grace that I even got to uh, end up in that situation. Uh, after high school, I did not give my life to the Lord, even hearing and seeing so many awesome people. I think of uh, teachers like Mrs. Mansfield. I don't know if she'll ever watch this, um, but she was an incredible, incredible woman of God who really painted the, a correct picture of what it meant to follow Jesus. Uh, but even after that, I, I knew that I wanted a godly family. I wanted godly principles. And uh, but my life didn't reflect that. My decisions didn't reflect that. Shortly after high school, I started to uh, indulge and try to find my identity through uh, the nightlife of Las Vegas. Uh, I'm not sure if you're putting those times together, but um, if you think about an identity, I, I actually had to, or literally had to maintain a fake identity uh, to maintain that lifestyle uh, as I was not even uh, allowed in those clubs at an age, at that age. Um, and what, what I really began to do throughout the years is really began to master the art of wearing masks. Now, I just want to stop there for a second uh, and really touch on this point. Uh, as a Christian, it's beautiful to not have to wear a mask. Um, masks often cover up, covers up what uh, what you're hiding, what you're feeling, what God is doing or what is going on in your life. You, you put on a happy face while you're not happy. Or as a Christian, or uh, if you're not a Christian, you may put on this, this religious mask in, in certain circles. And uh, there's a word for people who wear masks, and multiple masks. Uh, I, would, I would go as far as calling, saying that word is hypocrite. Um, the Bible says a lot about hypocrites. Um, Jesus actually says, woe to you hypocrites. Um, God desires for us not to have a mask. Um, now, while I will say at the age of 21, God did this miraculous work 
inside of me. And the Holy Spirit, whose job before Christ is to point someone to Jesus as he was doing that in my life, uh, pointing me to Christ and the work that he did and completed through the cross or on the cross for me. Um, I began to truly understand that God had an identity for me, um, a perfect identity. And when I think about this identity, it, uh, it, back then it broke me down. It breaks me down even thinking about it now when God says, I want your filthy life. I want your life. Um, and I want to give you uh, an identity, a perfect eternal identity, an identity uh, that is found in Jesus. I want you to look like my son, Jesus. Um, and by accepting Jesus, he gave uh, me the, the right to be called his child. In Romans, it talks about us being adopted. And we, I will, when you give your life to Christ, you are adopted in the kingdom and your identity is now found in this internal kingdom. And from then on, God's, God the Father's sole purpose and the Holy Spirit's sole purpose is to con, con, uh, transform you into the image of Christ. You see that in Romans uh, 8.29, which we may touch on tonight. Um, but after, upon giving my life to the Lord, this is where we'll start uh, with this evening's text. Uh, and since then, as a Christian, I can boldly say this. Uh, it's going to be in Galatians 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Crucified with Christ. When you give your life to Christ, your old life is crucified. God cloaks you, clothes you with righteousness. He puts on a cloak of righteousness. He cleanses you. You have a new start. Um, plain and simple, you're a new creation. Now, this may take time, right? And we're going to talk about what that looks like. But the truth is that as soon as you give your life to Christ, and as soon as you see, experience, and truly believe and understand that love of Christ, you give your life to him and you start to want ask, okay, I can never repay you, but I want to live a life that is glorifying to you. Um, you start to read God's word and you start to see that he desires for us to abide in him. Uh, now that word abide is really interesting. And uh, if you're a, a Berean or a studier of the Bible, you know that um, when you hear abide in Christ or abide, you probably automatically think uh, to John and John, uh, 15, 14, 15 area. So if you don't mind turning with me there, we're going to spend the majority of our, our time there and, and focusing on that word uh, abide and see what that truly means. John 15 verse 1 says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Now, this is a really interesting passage, uh, a really incredible wording by Christ. Uh, 
oftentimes, even before reading this, I've read this so many times, but reading it, studying it, and preparing for this sermon, uh, I really keened in on, uh, I really felt like the Lord was keening in on the word true vine. Um, Jesus saying, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Uh, as Christians, what does that mean for us? As followers of Christ, what does that mean for us? Um, well, I believe that Jesus uses the word true for a reason. Uh, he says, I am the true vine, meaning that there are other vines out there that are not true. There are other vines out there uh, that may be unhealthy vines. Um, now, then I stop and question myself, and I hope you do the same. Uh, are there any, uh, are you connected to any unhealthy vine today? Um, and I can tell you this, if you're not uh, connected to Christ, you're connected to an unhealthy vine. Now we have to really, just to paint the image, we have to consider what the purpose of a vine is, right? If you think about a vine, you can think about it going to the branches and the branches bearing fruit. Uh, if you think about uh, a grape tree, uh, it's talking about wine. So if you think about uh, grapes, um, if you have ever been to the store and you purchase grapes, right? You look at the grapes, you, you pick a grape up, you eat it, stealing, by the way, uh, but we all do it. But you, you taste the grape, mm, I'm going to buy this one. Uh, you get home and you see oftentimes just a small little grape on the tree, on, on the branches there. Now, that tree, uh, the vine produced the nutrients that those grapes needed to grow, right? It, it produced the nutrients. It was a source of healthy nutrients that that tree needed, that those branches needed to survive, not only survive, but also to grow. Now, a grape on a tree, a branch cannot sustain without being connected to the vine. Now, the truth is there are grapes, there's fruit that while it may be, uh, while it may not be bad fruit, it still needs to be pruned. Right. God may be doing this pruning in your life where he's cutting things away. He's cutting off fruit to, to provide more nutrients to other areas of your life that he's calling you uh, to focus on or that he desires to focus on. Because he knows his ultimate purpose is to conform you into the image of his son. So he knows what fruit or what grapes, where nutrients need to be allocated into your life that you may be transition into uh, or that you may look more like the, uh, the vine, that you may be a great representation of the vine. Um, I think about a story in my life where uh, recently, um, within the last few years, I finished school. Uh, very grateful for that opportunity that the Lord gave me. And uh, before that, I was in the hospitality industry. Um, this, uh, this vineyard, a definition or example from the Lord is it's really home before I gave my life to the Lord. I wanted to be a sommelier. I studied wine. I studied grapes. I studied soil. Uh, upon moving to Boston at the age of 21, I gave my life to the Lord. And uh, I decided uh, with the, actually the challenging of Pastor Steve, he said, Do you, uh, is hospitality something you want to consider doing for the rest of your life? Uh, I thought about it and I, I didn't want to. So he said, you need to go back to school. Now I went back to school. I finished school. God put this calling on my heart. Uh, to switch my careers um, and to teach, to teach personal finance. Now, the Lord wanted 
he was very clear in a few areas. One was that upon graduating school, he wanted me to cut off hospitality. He wanted to reallocate those, those nutrients to other fruits. My ministry uh, within Dulos, uh, my marriage uh, with my wife as she went back to school, my, uh, my family, uh, and my career, this career he was calling me into. Uh, now, hospitality, working two jobs wasn't uh, necessarily bad fruit, right? I wasn't, uh, I, I wasn't really uh, producing bad fruit in, in my eyes, at least. Uh, I feel like there was still fruit growing in different areas. Uh, my marriage wasn't doing bad. Uh, my job wasn't doing, my career wasn't doing bad. Certain areas just weren't doing bad. I saw fruit. Uh, I remember Pastor Scott actually saying this, though, that not Pastor Scott had just taught this past Sunday, that not all fruit is good fruit. And just because you're bearing fruit doesn't mean you're actually living a healthy life. And I thought about that when God was telling me to leave the hospitality industry and to f- trust him, walk out in faith in these other areas. Now, God wants maybe wanting to do something in your life like that, where he wants you to cut something off to reallocate the nutrients, the resources in your life where he truly believes he can transform you uh, more into the image of Jesus. That is his goal. That's his goal. That's the Holy Spirit's goal. They want us to be transformed into their image. Um, Now, understanding that God is uh, the vine dresser makes that so much more important, right? Jesus goes forth and says that. He says, "He, my father is the vine dresser. So as a vine dresser is clipping things away, the Lord told me to clip that away. And that was one of the hardest decisions I've ever made in my life. Uh, my identity was in that. I was, uh, like it or not, I found an identity and in, uh, in being knowledgeable on food and being knowledgeable on things of hospitality. And it was hard to cut that part of my identity away. But that identity uh, was getting in the way of what God wanted me to do, the identity that God had for me or transforming me more into Christ. Uh, Holding on to that became an idol, and the Lord wanted me to cut that off. Um, As a vine, as a good vine dresser, he trimmed, he pruned, right? Uh. Now, pruning is, a, is an interesting term or an interesting process. Pruning is that. And when, it cuts, when you cut something off, when you prune fruit, you cut off fruit, could be good fruit. You have to cut things off and it reallocates. That's the pruning process. It's reallocating those, those resources. Uh, now, well, I can say I am, I've been, after doing that, the Lord showed me that. Uh, there were so, all of the areas that I couldn't see, uh, he just completely blessed my socks off. Uh, my marriage began to really step it up a notch. I don't know how. Um, I love my wife. I'm very grateful, but that was like an incredible season of being home more often. Uh, my business began to boom. Um, I had great business opportunities within my career. Uh, ministry really was interesting. There was a lot of transition, and during that time, it allowed me to focus on taking on more responsibilities and really learning what it means to lead um, by washing feet. All of these areas that God was calling me to do uh, before, which I didn't know, he needed to prune off fruit in order for me to do that. 
Now, I just want to once again leave you with that question. Is there an area in your life that God desires to prune, that he desires to cut off? Uh, is there an identity problem, right? Is there, is there, is there a reason why you're holding on to that? Uh, are you being defined by the grapes and not the vine? Uh, are you fighting as a, as a branch? You could think a branch never really fights with the vine dresser, but are you fighting, um, holding on, trying to hold on to this thing that God wants to cut off in your life to make you more like the image of Christ? Um, but it's, it, it's really, it, it's a, the pruning process is an uh, incredible, incredible thing. Now, we know that uh, this, this pruning process is hard. There's a lot of, and it, it requires grace by God. Um, I am the recipient, recipient of uh, much grace, I can say. In my life, I've been grace upon grace I have received, I think Paul says, and I cannot agree with him more. This identity that I have in Christ um, is so undeserved and I am unworthy of it. But I can tell you right now, it wasn't an uh, ultimate change and it's not done, right? I think the pruning, it, you continue, fruit continues to grow and God continues to prune. That process doesn't end right when he starts doing it in the beginning. Um, now, understanding that it takes grace to grow is important. I think the Apostle Peter says in Second uh, Peter, I have it written down, Second Peter, I believe it's four, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, he, he writes to us and says, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's impossible to grow in knowing God, trans, being transformed into the image of God without grace, right? Um, grace is just simply getting something we don't deserve, right? But also, we're called to be vessels of grace. And if your identity is in Christ, you're being transformed into the Christ image. Christ is one who gives grace. If you want to say, Lord, I want to be like you, if, you, if that is your desire, and as a Christian, that should be your desire, I want to be just like you, Lord. I want to forgive the way you forgive. I want to love the way you love. I want to care about the things you care about. I want my heart to break for the things that breaks yours. I want my identity to be you. I want people to see me, and I want to be a reflection of the, the vine that I come from, Lord. I want to be a reflection of you. That means a few things. One, you don't have the right uh, if you fight for yourself in certain areas I think about here at work or previous jobs if I'm blessed and people really don't talk about me bad here but at previous jobs they did uh, I still wanted to just confront people right then and there it was very clear if I confronted people um, that it wouldn't allow God to work now those same people that, you know, talk bad about me uh, over the years, they either got fired or something bad happened. And I'm not saying it was because of me, um, but I'm just saying I got to see God have vengeance for me and the things that were said behind my back. Right. I, I, I give by giving, uh, giving your life to Christ, you are ultimately saying, Lord, you will fight for me. Now, I'm not saying that you should stop 
And I want to be very clear about this because the Lord is very clear about us uh, sticking up for uh, us serving the poor, us. God cares about the unjust things that happen in the world. He does care about those things. Um, I'm not saying not speaking up and about out about those things, but I am saying that God needs to fight for you. If God fights for you, you won't take an L. You won't take a loss. That's what we call an L in the sports world. But once again, if we don't understand grace, we will never grow. If you hold on to unforgiveness, you will not grow. It will be like an anchor in your uh, pursuit of uh turning into the image of Jesus. Uh, unforgiveness, I was, I had the blessing to talk to my uncle the other day. He's a believer. He's the one who prayed for me for years. Um, he was quote, he said, Jordan, I'm sure you heard this quote. He said, uh, unforgiveness is, uh, it's like drinking poison and hoping the other person gets hurt. Now, if you hold on to unforgiveness, God calls us to forgive. Forgive as you have been forgiven much, right? If you hold on to unforgiveness, that unforgiveness births pride. It births envy. It births hate. Uh, all of these things which are going to fight for your identity. Right? All of these things are which are going to try to uh, consume you and put blinders on your transition or your transformation into the image of Christ. All you can see is fury. I'm not sure if you've ever seen somebody just completely angry. Uh, I saw it a lot. I saw it recently. It, it, it is a fury look that people come in there, that people are overcome by. Um, and it's scary. As a believer, uh, that's not something we, we should ever have or access or uh, give or show to people. That shouldn't be in our heart. And, that, and if it is, that's something you need to bring to the Lord. I think about that within discipline. I think about uh, as Christians or even Christian parents. I, I'm not a, a parent, but um, I was definitely a child. And I can tell you right now, there is a clear difference from parents who discipline their kids out of love and parents who discipline their kids out of anger. If you discipline your kid out of anger and you're a Christian, you are abusing the power and the authority that the Lord has given you over this kid's, this child's life. I, I just want to plead with parents to really consider that. Uh, is, is there, a, you may be, as this kid is, sees you as a father or sees you as a parent, a mother, and you're representing God, you're representing what the, 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 relationship that we have uh, with our Abba Father. Um, you may be damaging this kid's identity in Christ. That's just something to consider. Um, I just do want to read uh, Romans 8 because um, it's important to understand how our Father treats us and how our Father sees us. And as we, we've given our lives to Christ and you're born again, the Bible says you've... Uh, You've been adopted into the to God's kingdom, but if you don't mind just turning to Romans 8 with me, verses 14 through 17. Now, just being reminded of our identity. 
Some of us uh, may look at God as an angry father or look at God as a distant father or forget that God is our father. Um, but the Apostle Paul saw, says here in Romans 8.14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. If you do not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. That word Abba is interesting. It's like uh, I've heard translations say, Daddy. I've seen other ones say, no, that's like going out and saying, that's my father. Like, that's my father, Father. Verse 16 says in Romans 8, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. Our Father is a perfect Father. You can walk down the street boldly as a Christian you have the uh, privilege of walking down the street boldly, understanding that your identity, that you bear your father's name, uh, that you boldly, like that you have this boldness, this confidence that you bear your father's name, your eternal father's name. You carry his name. Um, that's something I, I struggled with growing up, even just carrying a last name. My last name is Ellerby. Um, my grandmother uh, named all my uncles and aunts. She gave them all the last name, Ellerby. My actual last name is Osborne. Growing up, I could not boldly wear my last name. I've considered changing my last name uh, to my blood last name, my, my last name, Osborne. And I know, so I know what it feels like to walk around and not be able to boldly carry a name. But you can, you as a Christian, have the opportunity to boldly carry your eternal father's name. That is where your identity is needs to lie. All else falls not even a distant second because all else, all these other things that uh, are trying to play the vines or are trying to steal your identity are all, are all pointless. They're all weak. They're all bad vines, one may say. Um, it's incredible. I just really want to ponder on that idea, that truth rather, that we have, you can boldly walk outside and say, I am a child of God. You are a child of the creator because you have been adopted into his kingdom. That is, that's, that's just so powerful. Now, I do want to be mindful of that because I think about when Jesus told uh, his apostles, that you have the power to cast out demons. And uh, they were really excited. Was, you know, they're over there. I can imagine, like, oh, we can just go around casting out demons. We got this power. Um, super excited, super, you know, pumped. Let's go do this. And Jesus corrects their mindset. He says, listen, don't, that's not the reason you should be excited. Um, and I'm paraphrasing this, but he explains to them that you, you should be rejoicing because of the reality that your name is marked in the written in the book of life that your father is the eternal god right 
he's trying to get that get that them to understand and think eternally and not just here on earth um, and that's is so prevalent for us today that our names that is where our identity comes from that is where our hope comes from that is where our name comes from we are a child of god first uh, we need to think like a child of god we need to act like a child of god we need to forgive like a child of god we need to show love like a child of god we need to show compassion like a child of god their identity those apostles identity um, it wasn't uh, in the power that they've been given their identity was it came from the one whom they belonged to now i said earlier there are things that just desire to control you there's things that desire to steal your identity there are if we go back to john 15 There are vines that desire to, or weeds that are trying to root up in this vine and try to choke out the good fruit, trying to choke out the good seed that the Lord has either planted or choke out some of the, the branches that are growing, one may say. And I think about these things, and as I was thinking about, Lord, what is trying to steal? What, what's trying to steal my identity? What's trying to steal... Um, your children's identity, especially here in Boston. Um, I think of idols. I think of money. I think of power, the, the desire for power. I think of the desire for respect, like they must respect me. Uh, this, just, this, this vine, just this weed growing up, trying to, trying to crush and kill this vine. Once again, I think of unforgiveness, um, hate, Murder, hate is equal to murder, hatred. There, there is just no place in our heart as Christians for hate. Um, and if you are, if there's a spot in your heart right now uh, that you just have hate towards someone or something or uh, one side or a pe- whatever it may be, that is something I just pray that you bring to the Lord today. Because that, that right there is going to, that is going to steal this beautiful identity that the Lord has given you. And last, I think about sin. Sin desires to rob you of your identity in Christ. There needs to be a hatred towards sin. Pastor, once again, Pastor Scott, um, obviously he, he taught so much, taught me so much while he was here and uh, he said, sin, uh, people love their sin. If they didn't love their sin, they wouldn't do it. Right? There needs to be this hatred towards your sin. I, I pray, and I pray this for myself, if I were struggling with something, Lord, put a disgusting taste in my mouth for this thing. And the Lord is very good about doing that, whatever that thing may be. But I will say, sin wants to rule you. Sin wants to define who you are. Sin wants to forget Sin wants you to forget about the death and resurrection of a perfect Savior. Sin wants you to forget Colossians 2.15 that says Jesus disarmed the principalities and powers 
and he made a public spectacle of them, triumph, triumphing over them. Sin wants you to forget Romans 8.31. If God is for us, who can be against us? Sin wants you to forget Romans 8.37. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord, whom, these are my words, whom our identity, that is who our identity is. That is Romans 8, 38 through 39. So I want you to forget that by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. I cannot stress enough the importance of of fighting for, of, of allowing God to prune you, uh, of fighting to understand what it means to have your identity found in Christ, to learn how to abide in Christ, to hate sin. You have been saved by faith through grace, right? And you should boldly, as a Christian, you should boldly be able to say the Galatians 2.20, going back to our original verse, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Your life is his, guys. Your life is his, Calvary Chapel in the city. I'm very grateful for uh, the work that was done on the cross. I cannot imagine my life without God uh, today. I cannot imagine my life without the word of God. Um, I think about abiding in him. If I am not connected to this source, um, if you are not connected to this source, if you're not connected to Jesus, the word of God, um, daily, you are not getting the nutrients you need. Uh, Surviving is going to be hard. Bearing fruit is going to be impossible, right? Um, and we know that that's, that fruit, if we think about the Holy Spirit after giving your life to Christ, his job is to bear fruit in your life, right? His job is to, to glorify Jesus through you. How important it is, Calvary Chapel in the city, to be defined by Jesus. Now, I do want to end with this. I am, uh, I want to be, God is absolutely beautiful in his creation. He has created us in his image, but all differently. I am so grateful. I am a, a product of that. My wife's a product of that. You looking at this uh, right now, we're a product of his uniqueness, his greatness, his, uh, in his character. Uh, God is glorified when we are united. The world sees God's love through unity. During this season of life, God has taught me to listen and listen and listen. Uh, 
this is a season where I believe that as a church, we have an op- incredible opportunity uh, to listen to the hurt that people have been going through and to point them towards the source, um, point them towards the one who created them, point them towards the only one who can break, uh, break the bondage or uh, define or give them the true identity that they're looking for. The church has a unique opportunity during this time to love, to forgive, to listen, and to point people to Jesus. My prayer, just as, as we finish this up, is that we would know that our identity, we would be so solidified and so connected to our vine that as we are going out into the world, as you are going out into the workplace, uh, someone knows that you have an identity that is not of this world and that they would be drawn to that that you are present in people's lives during this time, that I would be present in people's lives during this time, to be a source of hope for the world through the vine that we are connected to. Now, I do want to uh, just wrap up before we pray. Once again, if you are struggling with, as we just switch over to the prayer groups now, um, might be a little bit earlier than usual, but... If you are struggling with anything that is trying to identify yourself with or that's just desiring to steal your identity, I just pray that you would bring that to the, to the prayer times and that you would bring that before the Lord. If you are struggling with identity, if you don't understand uh, that you have been, that you have died with Christ, if you don't understand what that means, I pray that you would bring that to the Lord. Mm. Or if you're holding on to an identity that is not completely rooted in Christ. I pray that you would bring that to the Lord. Thank you for this time. I just want to close in prayer. Father, I do thank you so much for your word, God. Jesus, I thank you for being the vine, Lord, that we are connected to, Lord. I thank you that you are uh, the source Uh, Lord, you have given us an identity, Lord. You have given us an eternal identity, Lord, a perfect identity, God, an identity that is not flawed, an identity that has hope. Father, I am so grateful for the work, Lord, that it took that you did, Lord, uh, to give me this identity, to give the person, uh, to give Calvary Chapel and your body across the world, Lord, this identity, Lord. Father, I pray that we'd be serious about the weeds that desire to choke out, Lord, uh, growth, Lord, or or any other vine, Lord, that may be creeping in, Lord, um, in our lives, trying to steal our identity, whether it be pride, whether it be hatred, whether it be sin and unforgiveness, Lord. Father, thank you for the grace and knowledge. Thank you for allowing us to grow in grace and knowledge, rather, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that we would do the serious work, Lord, to be defined, uh, to not be defined by this world, Lord, that we would do the serious work in our hearts, God, that you as the vine dresser, Lord, would cut out the things, Lord, that we, uh, really, that we hold on to on this world, Lord. I pray that you would give us a heavenly mindset, Lord, an eternal mindset, Lord, and that we would see, God, just this identity that you have given us in Christ, God. Father, we love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we praise and pray. Amen.